0: This podcast sponsored by Prime Super, a leading industry super fund specialising in the health and aged care sector. Go to primesuper.com.au to see what we can do for you. A Sydney-based researcher and lecturer at Notre Dame School of Medicine has been awarded a grant to examine the effectiveness of antenatal education in reducing the rate of caesareans. Australia has one of the highest rates of caesareans in the Western world, after America. And here to tell us more is Dr Kate Levitt. So Kate, why is Australia's caesarean rates more than twice the optimal rate?
1: Well, that's, it's a complicated question. And cesarean, Australia's caesarean rate is higher than the optimal for lots of different reasons. And we see in the research that there are a few drivers. One of them is that having a first caesarean statistically drives a lot of the increased rate of subsequent caesareans. So the first caesarean is important to look at. The other thing is that you hear a lot in the media about increase in maternal request, and this has not been seen in the literature to be where the increase in caesarean rate has been most notable. Where we hear some people criticising... the attack on caesareans, saying that women in Australia are getting older, sicker, and fatter is the quote that we hear, where in fact, where these comorbid conditions exist, that may contribute to cesarean rates increasing somewhat. But what we have seen in the research is where we compare women who are low risk, who are in the same age group and who don't have comorbid conditions the driver for caesarean section seems to be private health insurance status. So there are some drivers. So we're looking at private hospitalisation as well as first caesarean where we may have the most impact in helping to prevent subsequent caesareans for women who are um, in all respects healthy, low risk and um, where they don't have increased need for specialised medical attention.
0: And what can be done to cover the caesarean rates?
1: Well, there's lots of different um, areas where people have, have looked about what we can do to try and decrease the caesarean rate. In my particular um, region of research, I believe that education for women will be a really big part in what we can do to, um, to bring down the caesarean rate where women are normal, low risk, and have um, and have the capacity to have a vaginal birth without complications.
0: You've been awarded a major federal government grant. What does this mean for your research?
1: Well, I'm really excited about being awarded this grant. This is an NHMRC early career researcher fellowship, which means that that's funding for my salary for about four or for four years, which is pretty exciting because you can um, really look at. The impact of a large trial where we have room to to recruit as many people as we need to see a good result, where um, we've got long term, so four years in research is fairly long term. We've got some long term opportunities to be able to implement a new trial that we are um, that we have designed, and we. I also think that having the NHMRC funding puts this kind of educational focus in the mainstream where it's recognised as a real potential for having an impact um, for women, for babies and for um, midwives and nurses who are in the childbirth education as well as childbirth um, in hospitals, in in birth unit and other areas of the maternity services.
0: So what does education need to focus on? Education, I think, is really
1: important. And as my my first degree was in education, so it's a a real passion for me. In designing educational programs, we can really use that to focus on um, educating women. So we're getting right to the coalface where women are, you know, they're really talking to us and they're telling us about their experiences with hospitals or their experience with their pregnancies or what's gone before, that we're really able to tailor the program to suit their needs and to really take the consumer into account um, when we're designing and, and tweaking these kinds of programs that what do women really need, what don't they know, what would they like to know, where can we make the most impact for women and their partners and how can we integrate into the maternity system where we're giving women education and essentially kind of empowering them to go into maternity services with some knowledge and some tools and techniques and their partners to have tools and techniques so that they can really um, kind of... Have a birth that would be the most empowering and possibly the most physiologically um, efficient for them to have.
0: What role do nurses and midwives play by suggesting alternative pain management options?
1: So I think the role of nurses and midwives is really important as the primary carers for women in their antenatal um, in their antenatal services. Midwives uh, and nurses are with women from the time they book in at about 14 weeks of pregnancy, depending on the hospital, right up until they give birth and then in the postnatal period. So there's a lot of influence that midwives and nurses can have in suggesting to women that they educate themselves to find out about um, pain relief options, to work out how partners. um, And that can be anyone, whoever the birth partner is how partners can be the most supportive possible, how they can have the most information on board so that they can make choices within the system that are evidence-based and are going to be the most beneficial for them and in alignment with their beliefs and attitudes and ways that women and midwives and nurses can work together in to be able to bring, um, you know, the most normal kind of birth outcomes and options for women to enable them to have some kind of control in their in their birth and for, for midwives and nurses to partner with them I think is really important. The attitudes that nurses and midwives have really impact on women and where they're positive and supportive women tend to, to um, report much higher satisfaction um, ratings and their births are often, often viewed as more positive, even if they've got the same outcomes as another woman who may view her birth as negative because of the interactions that she's had with nurses and midwives. So I think they really make a big impact. And if nurses and midwives have um, also have information about evidence-based pain management techniques that are non-pharmacological as well as pharmacological, they can help women to make choices and also support them in the choices that they make for themselves.
0: Is there anything else you wanted to add, Kate? I
1: think that, uh, yeah, we're really excited about going ahead with this trial, which we hope to have um, up and running by early 2019. And we're, um, we're looking to run the trial in a couple of Sydney hospitals. So we're really excited about the trial that's being um, that's being run already in South Australia through the University of South Australia with Dr Julie Fleet as the principal investigator. So it's like another branch of this study being run in a different population at the Women's and Children's Hospital in Adelaide. So I think that the potential for this kind of research is really... Growing and of interest, and of interest to women, of interest to nurses and midwives, and of interest to um, supportive uh, medical professionals who also see that we we could have other um, we have have other options for women, so that medicine and medical pharmacological pain relief isn't the only option, because I think we're all aware that medical and pharmacological pain relief and interventions can have side effects that are not of benefit to women.
0: Thank you so much for your time, Kate.
1: Thank you.